Hello, hockey fans. It is time for this week's edition of This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. I'm Mike Hammett. As you can see, I got the four other knuckleheads along with me tonight. And uh, we got plenty to talk about. We got some playoff games we want to talk about that each of us had the chance to get out and see. And we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, playoffs that are left as we got sectional semis and sectional finals going down this week. And we're going to have some participants for state all set up here shortly in this week. So without further ado, let's go ahead and uh, get started. Let's talk about our game set. Each of us had a chance to see Michael. It sounds like you had the best one of the whole week. Oops. It helps if you put it on, uh, on, on mute. Uh, well, I had the longest one of the week, that is for sure, and uh, potentially the longest one in United States high school hockey history. Um, Barocco Blackhawks and the Black River Falls Tigers battled at the Miltlunda Memorial Arena for 122 minutes and 51 seconds. And according to what I have on my score sheet, um, the previous high was 121 minutes and 58 seconds, East Ridge and Apple Valley back in 2016. Um, I, I mean, I looked high and low for Miss Water Buffalo, uh, according to the, the Flintstones, and found that it looks like the game that I was at is definitely the longest. Uh, it just seemed like it kept going on and on and on. They played... The, obviously the three regulation periods, and it was tied one-to-one. They went to a first overtime, played eight. They played a second overtime for 17, then another eight, then another 17, then another eight, and then finally in the sixth overtime, with time winding down, uh, actually with uh, three, uh, I believe it was 3.09 left on the game clock, Hannah Lane probably... Uh, scored the biggest goal of her career. She's only a freshman, so it probably is, uh, but it might be the biggest goal of her career ever for the next four years as the Tigers beat Viroqua 2-1. to one. Um, Now, another thing that is noteworthy in this game is Viroqua goaltender Abigail Severson had 108 saves. I mean, <laughs> you know... Uh, we, we talked about this earlier, and it's actually less than a save a minute, so it doesn't seem like a lot, but over the course of a game, 108 saves, that's a damn lot. So I'm pretty sure, have not done a lot of research, but I'm guessing that's probably a national record too. So um, this game that lasted roughly 4 hours and 23 minutes on the, the clock from 7 o'clock to 11.23 p.m., um, set a couple of national records. I'm going to dig into that a little bit more and see what I can find out. But uh, it was a great game, um, and Black River Falls came out in front 2-1. to one. They played a whole shit ton of minutes, and uh, it, was, it was very interesting. And at the end of the game, I don't think there were many tears. They were, I, I think both teams were very happy that they had been part of this historic game. So uh, a great game in Black River Falls. 
the Tigers uh, beat the Viroka Blackhawks two to one. MJ, back to you, buddy. Michael, how was how did the game winning goal go? Um, it was. Uh, I had talked to Coach Oak Moser uh, prior to this, like after the fourth or fifth or sixth overtime, and he said it's going to be a garbage goal, and it pretty much was. It was a shot from the point out on the left side. The Severson made the save. The puck bounced out to her left, and probably about oh, I'd say ten, twelve feet away, Hannah Lane. Um, the freshman was right on and just sniped it into basically what was kind of an empty net because uh, Abby had made the save over to her right side and just couldn't quite get back in time. Uh, it was a good goal. Uh, felt bad for Abby, but within probably two minutes after the the game was over, she was smiling and laughing, and she she knew what the game was and you know yeah they got beat but um it was uh, a great experience i think for everybody out on the ice dell you uh familiar with uh abby severson for veropa i actually had a few coaches talk about her uh actually you know hearing from her dad talk about her and everything you know she's just one of those goalies that has impressed many of the girls coaches throughout the season and you know she's kept them in games, and you know she's she is she's a good goalie, and you know I don't know if you could ask for a better way to end your high school career if you're you know if you you gotta lose what a way to lose. Guys, I heard a little bit more um, after the game uh, from Coach uh, Paul Severson, the the Veracqua coach, and he said that the day of the game. Abigail had called him from school at noon and said that she dislocated her, I think it was her right pinky finger playing dodgeball. She was reaching down to pick up a ball and somebody kicked it. So she played with a soft splint on her blocker hand and still had this amazing performance. And then after the game, uh, actually, actually, I think it was the next day, Coach Severson had said that on the way home, the kids were all chatty and happy, and uh, yeah, they lost, but they knew that it was a, a great experience for them, and uh, they pretty much, uh, you know, it was time to move on, and uh, they, they knew it was a great game, and uh, they had a lot of fun playing it. How many close calls in the overtimes were there before the game winner? Was there a lot of them? Well, it, it seemed like there was a lot. I mean, you're talking six overtimes. I would say uh, probably, relatively speaking, maybe anywhere from eight to ten, I guess, where the puck just went two inches wide or the goalie reached out and made a kick save at the last second to knock a sure goal out of the out of the net and uh yeah there there were a lot of them and the it seemed like the the fans or probably i'm gonna guess like maybe 200 it's not a huge crowd but it was a, a good a good crowd for girls hockey and i don't think anybody went home it seemed like honestly i thought there were more people in the stands at the end of the game than there were at the beginning so uh it was an interesting game uh the players got into it. The fans got into it. There were a lot of uh, 
you know, near misses, let's call them. And uh, in the end, you know, I mean, Black River Falls had 110 shots on goal. Uh, Viroqua had 27. So, I mean, there was a definite disparity that way. Um, Black River Falls had the better offense. But uh, I think uh, in reality, um, Viroqua had the better goalie in that game. Uh, On the other side, Black River Falls goalie Josie Matheson, 26 saves out of 27 shots. But 108 out of 110 for Abby Severson. (laughs) That's pretty hard to argue with, MJ. No doubt about it. Let's move on to our burglar. He had a game that he checked out. He went, went to see Anigo against Mosini. And it did well, what not. Did you see, it, Bill? It, it did not last a uh, hundred and some minutes. <laughs> uh, it was a regulation uh, 51 minute game. Uh, Mosini came on on top 8 to 2. Um, I think it was. It was probably the most physical uh, of the hockey games I've seen this year in high school. Uh, Anigo. Came, Anigo came out really throwing their bodies around. Um, I talked to Matt, Coach Matt Borneman afterwards, and he said that that was their strategy to try to slow down uh, Mosini because Mosini has has the faster team. They've their their lineup was faster to begin with and was bolstered by a, a couple of exchange students this year, uh, Maddie Richterich from Latvia and Tobias Holka from the Czech Republic. So they got a couple of uh, foreigners on, on their team, but uh, they're a fast team, and, and uh, Anigo's strategy was to try to slow them down by being physical with them, and it worked for about uh, half the game, a period and a half. Uh, they each, it was tied one-to-one after the first period, and Mosini scored uh, eight minutes into the second period to take the lead that they would not relinquish um, and then uh, just kind of kept adding to it. Uh, but the last, the last five minutes of the second period, and then the third period, the the Mosini was faster and deeper, and the Robins hung with them for you know, like I said, for half the game, and then uh, just kind of ran out of gas, and Mosini kind of cruised to the finish line with an eight to two win in that game. As we look on here, we got another game to talk about, and uh, Dell, I believe you were part of that one. Thanks, MJ. Uh, I believe last week I said I wouldn't be surprised if Monroe was able to pull off an upset over RWD, but RWD uh, ended up winning this game with a one to nothing. Ben Fish in the first period with about 22 seconds remaining, 23 seconds remaining in the first period, took a shot from just inside the blue line that beat the Monroe goaltender for the one to nothing lead. And the second period, it looked like Monroe had a chance to tie it up. Uh, Cooper Oaks came out, made the save, uh, came out wide to his left, made the save. Unfortunately for him, the puck went, rebounded right out in front of the net, wide open net. The Monroe player is taking the shot. looks like it's going to be a tie. Before he can get the shot off, a RWD player gets his stick in front, deflects it up and over the crossbar into the netting, and so the game remains tied, one nothing at the end of two. They went into the third period, 
little over a minute left. Monroe pulled their goalie. And RWD actually had another chance to put the game away on in the empty netter. And the player skating it in goes into where it's his backhand flipped and puts it into the side of the net. And so it ends up staying one nothing. RWD advanced uh, play Edgewood on Thursday evening, which turned out to be another very good game. Uh, Dell, uh, I'm looking at the stats in this game, and it, the stats don't show the Monroe goalie coming out of has him playing a complete game. But, I mean, that's beside the point. It looks like it was a, a pretty defensive game. There weren't a lot of shots. There were only 42 shots total, according to the stats, um, between the two teams. A uh, case of very good defense or just not a lot of offense? Very good defense was played in this one. Neither team was uh, letting them get good shots off. Monroe's speed is what really impressed me during the game. And it was one of the things that, talking to Neil Matson, he, he was a little nervous about going into the game. He knew they had the speed and got to talk to uh, Barry, the coach from Monroe, before the game also. And they, the second half of the season, of course, suffered with the you know flu going around. And then a couple of their players had been banged up and injured, but they, everybody was coming back healthy, and that wasn't going to be an issue in that game. And it was a game that nobody, uh, win or lose, was able to hang their head after the game was over. Yeah, I mean, we talked with uh, Coach Barry Einbeck earlier in the year, probably three, four weeks ago. Um, they had a lot of success early in the season. I mean, like you say, definitely nothing to hang their heads about. Um, Monroe hockey, I think, is on the upswing a little bit. Maybe not quite um, like a, a team that's at the level <laughs> of uh, Madison Edgewood or well, or Sun Prairie or teams like that. But they're they're definitely working on their way up. Well, you know, Coach Einbeck did say, you know, he knew that the tougher part of their schedule was going to be the second half. But I think one of the highest compliments that you can pay to Monroe. Uh, talking to the coaching staff from RWD, they they had nothing but praise for that team, and they said they're impressed with the way Monroe hockey has improved and where they're going to. And you know, they said that's nothing but good for hockey. All right. Well, I guess that leads it down to my turn for the last game that we talk about. I got the chance to. Uh, Check out the McFarland Spartans as they were taking on the Oregon Panthers. This team, these two teams at one time were a co-op back in uh, 2000. They made a state tournament appearance, um, but they're no longer. Then they're big rivals, and uh, this one did not disappoint. Uh, McFarland, as we know, has been ranked in our, our uh, top six most of the season, if not all the season, looking probably – as a favorite in this one, but it was, you know, in that game, Oregon really played good defensively. They played, got great goaltending in the game, and uh, they did it very, I, don't want, I want to say economical. I mean, they they scored, they made their shots count, and they were able to get a 6-3 win. It was a 4-3 game, but then we had a uh, two empty nutters, and one of the one of the empty nutters, guys, was one called on the guy had a breakaway 
and one of the kids from the other team threw his stick at the puck. Yep, that's a goal. Now the the rule is the rule is if the goalie was still in the net, that would be a penalty shot. Correct. But since the goalie was out of the net, that is a goal. And Michael, that was called by uh, one of our well-known referees, Ryan Reichel. And as uh, the guy in the movie Midnight Express said, no do, no do. No, nobody had, Ian Ryan said, I've never had that situation in any game I've ever done over, you know, 20 some years. And I'd never come across it. Burglar, you've been through some games. Do you, do you ever see that? Somebody throwing? Yeah, well, at the youth level. Well, there's, there's, there's mouths there, moving, there, but we don't oh, hear what he's got to say. Your lips move, but I can't hear what you're saying? Is that, yeah. what, is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Um, at, at the youth level, I've seen that, but not, not at the high school level, because youth level kids do a lot of stupid stuff. Um, not that high school I've, kids don't, but, um, yeah. I believe that happened once earlier in the year. I'm going to take a minute to look it up, so you move along. Uh, but I leave it. It happened already once this hockey season, where somebody uh, because, actually threw the stick. Or yeah, because I had a reason. Thing. I had a reason to look it up. Because as soon as you started saying that, I knew I looked it up. Because uh, I knew throwing your throwing your stick was a penalty shot. I've always known that. But yeah, if the goalie is pulled, that's just a goal. They don't make you take a penalty shot against an empty net because that would be dumb. Um, so I believe that happened. You might miss. Yeah, then that would be real embarrassing. <laughs> Did that happen at on the USM game? I'm that, almost certain it was Alex Thundercloud. Yeah, that remind. Yeah, I'm thinking that wow. is. I'm you. Did they play Notre Dame in in the showdown? Uh, I think it was after that though. I seems like uh, it was I, after I, that. Yeah, we got, you have to go through all the write-ups from Tommy yeah. G, but I'm almost certain that it was it was Alex Thundercloud of I, USM. I, if it was not Alex Thundercloud of USM, we're sorry, I Alex. apologize. <laughs> but, I so, mean, uh, in the grand scheme of things, shit happens, right? I mean, people just react. So it's not that they're good or bad. It just it happens. So, MJ, so yeah, that one, yeah. one of the things that I think we did talk about last week before this game was uh, – it, one, it was a five-four, as five against a four seed. But I, I think we talked about how Oregon, the second half of the season, had really improved on their game, their game and and everything. So, uh, while on paper it might say it's an upset, I, I think that we were thinking that it, it real none of us were going to be that surprised if this did come out this way. Well, it was even one of those things where just looking at the way you know the, their games went this year. It stood every chance of being a close game, and it was. Uh, Colton Daly was just peppered with pucks all night from McFarland. If I remember right, he made 47 saves, according to the score sheet. And, uh, you know, he, he did a very good job. I mean, Juan really trickled in on the side of the net. I mean, he had everything covered, but that puck just found a way to get in. And, you know, the one bad turnover in front, and then they got another one. The first one was... You know, just a playing good shot. So, but he was challenged all night long, and he came out on top and played very well and gave his team a chance to win. And they, if I remember correctly, they were outshot by around a two to one margin or something like that, and were still able to manufacture four goals. So, 
you know, good for them. They move on. Congratulations to them. As they move on, they get to face Bondelac Springs in the next round. And everybody seems okay with that. All right. Well, since I've made you guys speechless, let's uh, check out what we got here. Let's go over the brackets that are we have left. Um, Division 2, Section 1. Let's go ahead and start out with what we got left here. As uh, the WIPH site comes up. Uh, round two has Amory against Rice Lake and Superior against Hayward. And, uh, guys, um, give me your thoughts on this one. Well, no surprises so far. I mean, you've got one versus four, three versus two, you know, left. That's, you know, your top four seeds. There, was, there were no real upsets. Um, yeah, the, the lower seed in this bracket scored a total of one goal. The higher seed, depending on how you categorize them. Uh, Amory shut out Whistle Flag. New Richmond scored a goal against Rice Lake. Superior shut out Medford. And Hayward shut out Chagwamagan Phillips. One goal. Um, Rice Lake, uh, the four seed, actually beat Amory earlier in the year 2 to 1 and outshot them 36 to 27 in that game. Uh, Hayward beat Superior earlier in the year 3 to nothing, outshooting them 35 to 25. So make of that what you will. Going to keep an eye on that Hayward and Superior one. That's going to be a really good matchup tomorrow night. It's one of those that, uh, you know, as you just said, Junior, that uh, Hayward beat them earlier in the year, and you know, can they do it again? I mean, and it wasn't that time. long ago. It was, it was a January game, uh, okay. maybe even maybe even early February. It was not that long ago. Yeah, and that's one of those where uh, the number three seed uh, could very well beat the number two seed, but. Hayward's played very well. Superiors kind of, I'm, I'm sure they would agree with us, have, have not played up to their usual standards this year. Uh, Amory on the other side, I think, has a little bit of an advantage. They have um, Player of the Year nomination or a finalist, Jackson Henningsgaard, playing for them. So, yeah, it should be, it should be very interesting. Uh, I don't think there's any clear-cut winners in either game, uh, we'll know a little bit more after tomorrow. All right, guys. Let's move on to Division Two, Sectional Two. And yeah, some of the that, bracket here seems to be busted. Yeah. But, yeah, um, well, I mean, but the, the games are still there. The other game is uh, Wapak at Northland Pines. And that was, that was, one of your your mild upsets, Wapaka, uh, being a five seed, beating Marshfield, who was the four seed. Um, so Wapaka playing at Northland Pines tomorrow night, and the other one that's in here twice is uh, oh Rhinelander, yes, uh, Rhinelander in Lakeland. Uh, we had we had mentioned this before that the reason we were some somewhat suspect about Lakeland uh, was because they had lost early in the season to Rhinelander. And they 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 did it again. The number seven seed, uh, one of two number seven seeds to knock off a number two seed uh, on on Thursday. And in two very different fashions. Like Rhinelander took it to Lakeland, and I 
like they outshot them in the game. Uh, it was, you know, Rhinelander, you know, according to the stat sheet, looked like the better team all the way. The other game where it was a seven over two, um, that goalie made 50 saves uh, for the seven. Um, the two just couldn't put the puck in the net. So very different fashion for those two seven over two games. When was the last time we did see Rhinelander in a sectional semi? I'd say it's probably been a while. It's been a while. I mean, there were times back in the, the mid-2000s when they were 14, 15 win teams, but it, it's been a while. MJ Lagos, still the head coach. He's got a lot of experience. Um, yeah, I mean, a 7 over 2, that's definitely an upset. Uh, three to one, so it's not like it was a, a real barn burner. It was two goal game, and uh, should be should be some interesting games. Pines, I think, is the class of the the section, but uh, time will tell. Mosini looks like they've been playing well, and we'll we'll see what happens there. Yeah, Pines has beaten Wapaka ten to two and five to nothing. And Mosini has beaten Rhinelander five to two and seven to five. Uh, that second mm. game, Mosini that won seven to five, Rhinelander actually outshot them thirty four to twenty six. So it looks like the difference in that game was goaltending. Yeah, and Mosini to... gets an unexpected home game. Yeah. Yes, they do. Let's go on to section three in uh, Division Two. Baldwin Woodville will be hosting Menominee. And Somerset is going to be traveling to River Falls. I'm sure that's a very short drive for them. Yep. Baldwin Woodville has beaten Menominee 9-3 already this year. And the only time they played, River Falls and Somerset skated to a 4-4 tie with shots even at 25. So that one is a a good coin flip. And this one has another one of those mild upsets with a fifth-seeded Menominee beating the four seed uh, West Salem and our old pal Eric Bore's team. Yeah, and this, I mean, BW, um, number one seed. Uh, so are they the favorite? Uh, you know how that goes sometimes with the seeding. I don't know. Two and three are both pretty good. Somerset and River Falls. I mean, actually, this is one of those... Uh, those sectionals that I think any one of these four teams could be the winner. I don't think there's a clear-cut winner. Uh, So, I mean, again, this is cliche, but we'll see what happens tomorrow night. Guys? All right, well, let's move on to Section 4, Division 2. Fond du Lac Springs playing Oregon and Wanakee playing Waupon. Talk about some pretty good games. There's a couple of good ones right there. Oregon playing playing well uh, against Fond du Lac Springs, who's pretty much played well all year. And Wanakee and Wapan, those two teams, um, we kind of figured those two may butt heads against each other. And sure enough, they're going to meet tonight, right now, tonight, even as we speak. Yeah, I see that. They're playing tonight. Okay. They were afraid of weather tomorrow, so they bumped it up a day. Yeah, I think that's the only game that is actually being played tonight. Um, Yeah, number two, Wanakee, number 
or actually a number three Wanaki, number two Wapan, they've been kind of flip-flopping. They've been in the top six more or less all year. Wanaki, I think for sure, has Wapan's been moving in and out. But uh, Wapan, you know, they got a this young goaltender, Tyler, or Tyler Framos, who I believe is a sophomore, and he's had a heck of a year. Uh, Wanaki with Coach Eric Olson, um, they've they've been pretty much a, a more or less a juggernaut the whole season. On the top half of the bracket, Fondy Springs been stout um, from start to finish. Oregon, um, you know, number five seed, so we'll see. And I mean, you know, cliche again. We'll we'll see after tonight. We. I would think Fonny Springs would be the, the favorite, but you just never know. Wanaki, offense, 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 all day long. They just keep coming at you offensively. So we'll see how they do against Wapan tonight. That one we maybe we'll know in a little while a score, but um, those are the sections, uh, section four and D2. Let's go ahead and move on to. Uh, the girls' side and section one, and uh, let's see their game schedule here. Oh, come on! Usually, I know how to navigate. Right? If you need some help, I can help you. Number one, Eau Claire Stars will play the number five Hayward Hurricanes in the top half of the bracket, and the number three Hudson Raiders will take on the number two. St. Croix Valley Fusion. Uh, again, you know, I mean, Section 1 on the girls' side is just a very stout sectional. These are four teams, and, I mean, any one of them could win on any given Sunday or, in this case, any given Tuesday. So it should be a very interesting battles in both of those games. They take place at the Hobbs Ice Arena. Uh the Stars and the Canes and the Raiders and the Fusion will battle at United Center or United Civic Center Ice Arena in Baldwin. So it should be two really, 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 really highly contested games. Bill, have you seen any of these teams? I've actually seen the Fusion play, uh, but you know, I did reach out to coaches and try to get a little feedback on what they're feeling going into these games. Um, uh, Coach Bernhardt, you know, says they've got a lot of respect for Hayward. Uh, says they've probably got arguably the best goaltender in the state. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a lot of coach speak from them, but you, you don't expect any of that. There's a lot of respect there for the way these teams play. Hayward's been a team that, you know, we've – They've seen through the year, throughout the year, uh, it's the third time they they're meeting this year, and the stars haven't given up a goal to Hayward at this season yet. Then when you look at the other side, uh, the Raiders and the Fusion, you know it's going to be their third meeting. Uh, they they know each other; they're conference opponents, so you know. Neither one of them are going to be surprised as to what the other team does on the ice. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of respect there. Coach Cranston, you know, says 
you know you're going to get a tough game every time you play the Hudson, and basically the same thing coming back from the other coach. Yep, uh, Eau Claire area has beaten Hayward one to nothing and three to nothing, and Saint Croix Valley has beaten Hudson three to two and four to one. And as I have always said, once you've beaten a team twice, beating them a third time is a whole lot easier. Um, everybody who says that beating a team three times in a season um, is bad at math. Because uh, once you've already done it twice, it makes that third one so much easier. Uh, that's not to say that neither of these teams will pull an upset out, but um, I would go with the, the the favorites. Well, they are favorites, and you know, rightfully so. And but you still got to play the game. Yes, and that's what they will do. Um, let's move on. Section. Let's see, I believe I got here. Uh, section two. Yep, Pons- that's usually what comes after one. Yep, Pines playing Central Wisconsin Storm and the Bay Area Ice Bears taking on the Fox City Stars. Both those games are tomorrow night. Uh, Central Wisconsin will play at Greenheck, and Tri-County Ice Arena and Nina will host, have Fox City hosting Bay Area. Fox Cities and Bay Area have split their two games this season, a 3 to nothing win for Fox Cities and then a 5-2 to two win for Bay Area. So that doesn't tell us anything. I think that on on the bottom half of the bracket with uh, the Ice Bears, um, seeded number three, Fox City Stars, seeded number two, um, the Fox City early in the season played very well, and then they've kind of struggled a little bit as of late. And I think it's been just the opposite for the Ice Bears. They played better in the second half of the season. So I don't know, know how much that means, but normally... You know, it's like, who's playing the the best hockey at playoff time? Uh, Ice Bears have been playing very well. Um, Top half of the bracket, number one, Storm. Number four, Northam Pines. I'm not going to touch this one. Sorry, guys. (laughs) You're not allowed to talk about Northam Pines. We all know that the, the high school girls at Eagle River area are your arch nemesis. So, so, um, so Coach Wiedis, uh basically you know, said you know, that their games were fairly even uh, with penalties relatively low d- during their two games against the Fox City Stars. And I'm, I'm going to read his quote here. They are a team of mostly upperclassmen with more big game experience. They are a team that plays very solid on both ends of the ice and makes few mistakes. To get past them, we need to do what we did in the second game. Match physical play, play as a team, minimalism penalties, and compete for 51 minutes. We do that, I'm confident we can make it to the next round. It's going to be a great game. And, you know, like I said, you're still going to get some coach speak, but at the same time, he gives us what he's looking for and what they did to win their second game against them. And then up on the top of the bracket, you know, you got both coaches saying, you know, they need pressure with the forecheck, get pucks to the net with bodies in front, um, and it's going to take a lot of work. So they're both – I think you're going to have two close games in, in this on both sides. And I, I think both these are probably going to be one-goal games. 
Section 3 has a pretty uh, competitive bracket in it. Metrolink's hosting Black River Falls at Madison Ice Arena. And the Cap City Cougars taking on the Cinderella Icebergs at Sun Prairie. Cap Cities has beat them twice. Black River Falls and the Metrolinks. Dell, you had a chance to see either of those two teams? Actually, I've got to see them both. Um, and I, Trasher can speak to Matheson. You know, she's easily one of the top goalies in the state. I got to see her against uh, Northland Pines. Uh, Trasher saw her against the uh, Wisconsin Valley Union besides the marathon game he attended last week. Uh, and I believe against the Valley Union, wasn't that a one to nothing game, Trasher, that uh, Black River Falls pulled out? Yeah, that's one of those deals where it's so long ago in the season. <laughs> I mean, huh? we, we've been that, to a lot of games, and I don't remember. But that all, wasn't that I, long ago. That well, for me, it was. I'm an old but, guy. But, but, um, but what I can tell you about Josie Matheson is um, she is arguably one of the, the three top goalies in the state. And depending on who you talk to, there's Severson, Matheson, and Quimby. I think those are probably three three that belong in the top three. Um, she does a great job. Uh, the Lynx has been a pretty stout team this year. They've stumbled a couple of times. But uh, they got a couple of good goalies in McCursey, and I can't remember the other kid's name. They they alternate more or less. But they got a lot of offense. Uh, Black River Falls, not much offense. They're going to really lean on Matheson to keep the puck out of the net. Um, and as much as I hate to say this, you know, she's almost going to have to to pitch a shutout or maybe give up one for the Tigers to win. Uh, the Lynx, I think, have too much firepower on the top half. Um, on the bottom half, uh, Icebergs, I think, uh, just ran into a good game. That was definitely an upset over the Hilltoppers. And the Cougars are pretty stout. Uh, I, I honestly, I, I think the Cougars are going to win on the bottom half. So I think you're going to end up with a one and two seeds in the finals in this section, Aldell. Well, you've you've mentioned all the other goalies without mentioning the Icebergs goalie, uh, Avon Gruner, who uh, stopped 39 out of 40 shots in that uh, upset win over Onalaska. Onalaska outshot the Icebergs 40 to 13, um, but uh, the Icebergs came out on top. So I think you better throw Ava Gruner in there when you're talking about the goalies in this section? Well, she's going to be busy because the, the first two times Cap City and the Iceberg played, it was 9 to nothing and 7-1. to one. Um, So she's going to be real busy. And I don't think that um, Lexi Holman from Cap Cities gets enough credit for how good she is. Um, I don't hear her talked about when people talk about uh, Quimby and um, Severson and, and Pistol Cowden when they're talking about the best goalies in the state. But she's she 9.53, uh, goals against of .91, um, and her stats don't fall off when she's playing against the better teams in the state. Um, you know, I, I've been running some numbers, and Cap City are 
one of the better defensive teams in the state, but when it comes to actually like opponent shooting percentage, they're the best. Um, they're the best combination of stopping opponents from shooting and keeping the puck out of the net when they do shoot it. I don't think she gets enough credit for being a fantastic goalie. And the other thing on top of that, Junior, is the four defensemen that Coach Thornton runs in, in there for his team, they play, you know, with the team-first concept. The, the whole team <laughs> that does that. And, you know, that's one thing that they've emphasized. And Holman is a very good goalie. She's easily, you know, in the top six, seven uh, of, of the state. And she doesn't get the credit that she, she deserves. Where they tend to struggle at times, and I think you pointed this out earlier in, in the uh, year, is when it comes to time to score. They don't have the offensive firepower that some of the other teams do. But I, I agree. I, I think we're probably looking at a 1-2 matchup in this in the sectional finals. Well, then let's talk about the... Metrolinks goalies because Addie Armstrong has played 465 minutes. She's got a 944 save percentage, 1.21 goals against. Cameron McCursey, uh Coach Mike McCursey's daughter, 924 and a 169. So there's some good net mining on this end. I think uh, Metrolinks got more offense, and uh, I honestly think that they're the the favorites to to move on in this battle. It should be a pretty good one as we'll watch how that bracket finishes off tomorrow night and later on in the week. Brock County in Section 4 hosting the USM Wildcats and Arrowhead hosting the Warbirds. Um, guys, this is, this is a pretty good bracket as well. USM and Rock County should be a wonderful game. These two teams haven't seen each other this year, but both of them play very good schedules. The Warbirds having a down year. Arrowhead still uh, is very capable, and I see these two games as being both of them being very good. Yeah, the first time they played, the Warbirds beat the Warhawks two to one. Uh, so that was just a you know one goal game and. Uh, as you said, on the other half of the bracket, those two teams haven't seen each other yet. But Jay, I can I can tell you that Rock County played Arrowhead earlier in the year, and Arrowhead beat them. In fact, Arrowhead shut them out, if I remember correctly. Well, Rock County needs to worry about USM before they start thinking about a possible matchup with Arrowhead. That is that is very true. And, uh, go ahead, Dale. Rock County, if you look at it their last six to seven games have just been you know very impressive with it uh get they according to coach store they struggled um at the earlier part of the season uh slow starting off slow in the first period but he says you know they've, they've turned that around here near the end of the season and you know they've uh Come out with two wins, you know, one over the Lynx and one over the uh, Cougars to end up with a three-way tie for the Badger Conference title. And then they had a close game against the ECA Stars. So, you know, they are the favorite to come out, out of this con- conference and make it to their second uh, appearance down at Madison. With all five bands. 
<laughs> In fact, Bur- Arrowhead and uh, and uh, Rock County, when they played earlier this year, they played in the second game of the season and the fourth game of the season. Each team took turns shutting the other out. And, you know, Dell touched on it earlier. Rock County, they they changed something uh, in late December, early January. Something clicked for them because they got pummeled in two games by the Fox City's stars. Um, and shortly thereafter, they started having really good games against really good teams. They had, you know, one goal games with both the Cap City Cougars and Metro Lynx. But, yeah, they got pummeled in two games by the Fox City stars. So something turned around for them and started to click. Well, I think their goaltending got better as uh, Olivia Cronin looking here, regular season, a 926 save percentage. But uh, your star players really started putting numbers together. Annika Einbeck, 58 points. Alyssa and Haley Kanoff, each 48 points. I mean, that's a lot of points between three players. And uh, they're pretty much going to, they're expected to carry the load and, uh, they started carrying the load a little bit more consistently, and you know when they do, they you know usually good things happen for them. Well, MJ, they definitely lean on the Hanson sisters, as uh, Alyssa Kanoff, Annika Einbeck, and Haley Kanoff, numbers three, four, and five, versus the the Hanson brothers of seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen, um, on the uniforms, and they've been doing a bang up job. Absolutely so. Um, Rock County definitely leans on these young ladies to um, put the scoring punch into them. Uh, Olivia Cronin has been playing very well uh, this year in that, especially in the latter part of the season. So uh, definitely, uh, I think uh, this is... Rock County Fury is definitely the the favorite here to um, move on to Madtown. It's going to be going to also depend on what they do defensively. They got to play good defense, you know, make sure Cronin gets a chance to make a save. But you know, you get it going back the other way. You've got those three thoroughbreds that can just fly and they can put the puck away and they can do it quickly. So, um, should be a good game tomorrow night. USM taking on the uh, Rock County Fury here in Janesville. Division One boys, let's go to Section One. The section of death. On Alaska, taking on Hudson and Chippewa Falls, taking on Wausau West. Oh, my goodness. Three of these four teams were in the state tournament last year. Chippewa Falls is the only team that wasn't. Yep. They beat Eau Claire North, who was in the state tournament last year, to get to this game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, section of death. Uh, on Alaska and Hudson have not seen each other this year. Wausau West beat Chippewa Falls 4-1. to That one will be a good one. That will be a battle of the goalies. Uh, Bridger Fixmer and Adam Prokop, a um, couple of really good goalies who are both getting votes um, for our goalie uh, award. Um, they should, they should, that should be a good matchup for them. Hudson, I've been saying this, I guess, for the last five years. Hudson is just kind of a an unstoppable juggernaut over there in the western part of the state. Um, so Onalaska's got a tough task ahead of them. Um, I, even though they're not number one in the rankings, I still think Hudson's the best team in the state. Uh, Hudson is just Hudson, right? They, they, yeah, they're they've now been that they're stout forever. 
you know, now that Hudson is, you know, it's been happening over the last, you know, 20 years and really taken off the last 10. Now that Hudson is really just part of Minnesota, uh, the level of their game has gone higher and more consistent. Now that Hudson is a bedroom community for the Twin Cities, uh, you know, you don't want to want it to go that way, but uh, they, they might as well be a Minnesota team at this point. They came across Highway 53 once all season. You keep track of that stuff, don't you? Well, Burglar pointed that out yeah. uh, last week. Maybe the it, week just seems, it just seems very odd when we're talking about sectional semis. We're not talking about Eau Claire Memorial. It was real, I, you know, I mentioned that on our, our Twitter account the other day, but you know, getting into the the sectional semis and neither Eau Claire team is there. Uh, no mention, you know, Spash isn't there. Um, you, you tell somebody that Stevens Point, Eau Claire Memorial, and Eau Claire North are all going to fail to get to the sectional semifinal, and you're like, congratulations, WIAA. If 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 you wanted new teams at the state tournament, you've certainly accomplished it. Uh, <laughs> stuffing, you know, half the tournament into one bracket got the job done. Well, Coach Franzini, you know, I asked him if he had actually been able to see Hudson play at all this year. And he said he got to see him once live in February and then on video a few different games. And says if they're, they're going to have a chance in this game, he says they, they need to play perfect hockey be disciplined, and be opportunistic. And then you, you look at what with Coach Drewiski. He says, you know, Hudson needs concern. They need to play hard and fast within their system and a mindset of the next play, next shift. So, you know, once again, I believe you got two coaches that respect the other teams. and But I, I think it's going to be hard, a hard thing for Onalaska to find their way past Hudson in this one. This is one of those games where the lower seed, because Alaska is a very good team. I mean, they're a, we're talking about them as a four yes. seed. They're a very good team. Um, you know, they've been to state twice in the last three, four years. Um, you know, they're an excellent team, but this is one of those cases where they've been one. They cannot take penalties. Cannot. Uh, every penalty they take is is just death in in a game when you're playing against you know one of the top two or three teams in the state you cannot take stupid penalties um and on the uh, if if they if they get chances against hudson uh they really need to to focus they cannot you know mess around on their power play they need to take it to them and um when it's five on five they just need to play lockdown defense and hope for the best and then hope to win it on special teams chippewa falls and wausau west on the other side of the bracket tomorrow night as well you know as you were talking about goaltending going to be very key in this one it is uh wasa west has probably got more in front of their goalie than chippewa falls does um but you know the cardinals they'll be right there sectional two beaver dam at nina and bayport at notre dame academy I was going to say these are both conference games, but they're not anymore. Beaver Dam left the Badgerland Conference. Yes. Um, so they have not played Nina yet this year. But, yeah, Beaver Dam goalie uh, Kirk Davies, Davis had 51 saves in their 6-3 to win over Fond du Lac Cardinals. And uh, Ben Kramers, I believe he's a senior forward, had five goals in their 6-3 to win over Fond du Lac. So – 
I mean, usually, you know, the lower seeded team, the guy gets 50 saves and wins. You think, oh, that's, you know, just a, a goalie bailing them out. But um, they had a 5'7", 155-pound senior put in five goals. Um, that's a that's a nice day at the office. That's a nice week for most guys. That's a and nice that's, week. For, I mean, that's a nice week for anybody. Five goals a week is 70 goals on the season. Yeah, that's a huge upset for Beaver Dam over Fondy. Fondy has kind of been... Um, I don't, I don't know. Getting into the the near the top six, I mean, honorable mention. I think in the olden days we would call it, but uh, they've been they've been playing very well. They uh, had a great year, and to get hammered by Beaver Dam six to three, I think we need to give Beaver Dam a little credit. Jose Matamoros, their head coach, uh, has done a nice job with them. He's been with them, I think two or three years, I don't remember exactly how long, but uh, for a seven to beat a two in a six to three game, that that give a lot of credit to Beaver Dam for that game, but um, they're going to have their work cut off for them a little bit against number three, Nina uh, Hortonville Menasha in uh, the semifinal game. They've been kind of, uh, you know, in our top six early in the year, not so much later on, but I think they still got a pretty good game. Uh, on the top half, Notre Dame Academy Bayport. Notre Dame has been pretty much a, a, a no-doubt number one. But Bayport, I think, is sneaky. So, uh, I mean, I think that game is going to be a little closer than we would expect, guys. Well, I was a little shocked just to see that Beaver Dam was 15-7-2 and two on the season. Um, when was the last time Beaver Dam on 15 and they're averaging better than five goals a game. Um, they haven't been shut out at all this year. Um, there's not a lot of teams when you get to the end of the year that can say across their 24 game schedule they haven't been shut out. Beaver Dam has not been shut out. Um, they only have two shutouts to their name as well. They give up more than three goals a game. So they're a seven seed, but 15 7 2 is nothing to. Nothing to shake a stick at. That's pretty good. Uh, Nina and Fondi both, you know, you said were both um, sort of on the back end of the top six, and they may have been there if they were honorable mentions. Um, they were both just kind of inconsistent this year. Um, they weren't as, I mean, obviously Nina played in the title game last year. They just weren't as consistent as they were last year. Um, but they still got, uh, they're still the higher seed. They'll still be the favorite going into this game with Fondi. Um Notre Dame and Bayport played twice this year. Notre Dame won six to one and four to one. Um, so uh, if the math holds true this time, they should win two to one um, because Bayport's been cutting off two goals a game. So that's my prediction on that one. But it's hard to beat a team three times in a season, Junior. No, it's not. <laughs> after after you've beaten them twice, your odds of winning the third game are about seventy eight percent. I. I just had to throw that out there. Section three, Sauk Prairie taking on Verona. And Sun Prairie taking on the Madison Edgewood Crusaders tomorrow night. Sauk Prairie and Verona. Verona, number one seed. Verona can fill it up. Sauk Prairie, I don't know if they've played a team like Verona yet this year, but uh, they're going to get a shot at the Wildcats. Yeah, this is kind of their their show me game at nineteen four and one. You know, this is their this is their game where they prove. You know, are they putting up those all those gaudy stats against 
cupcakes or can they do it against a real team? Big um, boys. Yeah. Yeah, this that's the this is the I mean they've they've beaten other ranked teams. They've they've beaten Wanaki, they tied McFarland, they beat Wanaki again. Um we just talked about Beaver Dam, they beat them. Um so you know this is this will be a big game for them. They haven't played a team like Verona. Um but that doesn't that's not to say they can't go go ahead and pull it out. On the other side, I was I was looking at their schedule. I was honestly surprised to see that uh, Edgewood beat Sun Prairie six to one. Um, for the season that Sun Prairie had, I didn't. I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised that they had lost to Edgewood in their matchup this season, but six to one was a little surprising. Sun Prairie's had a very strong team this year. Junior, go ahead. Um, Sock Prairie actually lost to Wanakee both their games this year, two to nothing. And three. was I looking at the the wrong letters? Yeah, so they actually lost both games to Wanakee, but you know, I I was just kind of looking here. Uh, they lost to Middleton three to two on February fifteenth. Uh, their big, best win on the season going through here uh, was pro. I mean they. They beat McFarland eight to two, and then you, you know you go down and, and you look at it. So you know when it comes to ranked teams, it, they didn't really do that well. But as we said before, this is where uh, Jelinek and DeRoches you know need to step it up and show that they can do this on the big stage. And guys, for for me. Um, the thing here is bottom half of the bracket, number three, Sun Prairie, number two, Madison Edgewood. Uh, let's call it a toss-up. My story for this bracket is uh, number four, Sauk Prairie, coach Dave Lorai. This guy has coached in the USHL. He's coached in the minor leagues. He's got stories to tell you. He is uh, a big guy with, uh, like, the NIT tournament over in Minnesota. Um, an awesome guy, a funny guy. Uh, whether his team or not can beat Verona might be another thing, but uh, you want to quote in the locker room, talk to Dave Lorai for Sock Prairie. He's a, a, a great guy. Um, I don't know if you guys know him or have talked to him at all, but I met him over in, in uh, Minnesota last year on the NIT, and, I mean, he was just a chuckle a minute. He's a, he's a great guy, a good story. Um, you know, just and like I said, uh, Verona I think is the the, the huge uh, favorite in this game. But um, I like uh, Sock Prairie coach guys. I think Verona is a huge favorite in this whole bracket. To be honest with you, um, if Verona is able to pull off the win against Sock Prairie, you know, Sun Prairie they've beat them twice. And they beat Madison Edgewood this year, so Verona's, you know, very familiar with the other two teams on the bottom side of the bracket as well. And you asked, you know, if we talked to Coach Lorai. Uh, I don't talk to coaches who live uh, south of Highway 21 that runs from Oshkosh to uh, Toma. Um, that's the my cutoff. I only talk to coaches north of that line. <laughs> All I can do is laugh, Junior. <laughs> so we'll take part, I mean, you know, we'll take care of the, the southern half of the state and you can take care of the northern half. That's what Dell and MJ are for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lorai is the character. I mean, he's got a story for anything and he uh, 
he's like he's like Dave Whitting at the 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 NIT tournament. He knows everybody. He's hilarious. He's a good guy. He's a good coach, and I only hope for good things for him. But um, I think Verona in this game is just going to be a little bit of a, a definite uh, winner or edge on this game. Let's move on to Section 4, our last one. KMMO taking on University School and the Hilltoppers of Marquette taking on the Warheads of the Warheads, the Warhawks of Arrowhead. That's what you get if you cross Arrowhead and Warhawks. You get Warhead. The Warheads. Yeah. The Arrowhawks and the Warheads. Arrowhawks um, the- <laughs> Arrowhead, Arrowhead has beaten Marquette 4-3 to and 7-1, to and USM has beaten KMMO 5-3. to uh, So that's where those ones stand in this bracket. Um, I expect, because it's, well, this used to be Section 8, Seven, eight, right. one of those two. Right. Uh, I expect one of the two, uh, either Airhead or USM, one of them is going to lose. Um, that always seems to happen in this bracket. So one of them is going to lose. I don't know which one. I have no real strong feeling either way. Um, but uh, I think Arrowhead has been, obviously, they're undefeated. They've been strong all season long. Um, USM, I think, was stronger in the early half of the season than they were in the latter half of the season. Um but that's not to say that they, they can't still win. But I think just the way this bracket's gone in the past, one of them's going to lose, surprisingly. University school is not the university school of last year. And I think KMMO may surprise you a little bit. I think they're going to give university school a tough game. I, mean, I haven't five, had... five to three last time was, I mean, I don't know if that yeah. fifth one was an empty netter or not. That's a close game. Yeah, Marquette and Arrowhead, I had a chance to see Arrowhead. I didn't see Marquette this year. Uh, I did have a chance to see Arrowhead, and they're just solid. They just, they're just solid. And for their record, it speaks for itself. I mean, they're just that good. Carl uh, Valamont has uh, very, again, been a great coach on for this team. And uh, I... 21-0-2 or 22-0-2. I mean, they have no losses during the season. And you can say what you want. They can say that they have not played the ultimate teams in the state. You know, they haven't played all the, the front runners. But to have zero losses in 24 or 25 games, whatever they have now, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, bottom half, USM and KMMO. Uh, MJ, you're right. Uh, USM played pretty well at the early half of the season. Um, they've been struggling a little bit here and there. KMMO has been up and down. Uh, bottom half, definitely uh, a coin flip. Um, I think Arrowhead is just a smidge better than Marquette in this game, so I like them to go to the sectional final, guys. Looking here at Arrowhead's schedule for this year, um, they started out big, beat Homestead 9 nothing. Third game of the season, Fond du Lac Springs, zero, tie. KMMO beat them 5-2. Uh, Sun Prairie, they beat them 5-1. Um, let's see, roll on here. Uh, Fond du Lac beat them 7-4. Verona beat them 4-1. U-School beat them 3-1. You know, Middleton. I think that, 
that that four one Verona and then three one U school is what made their tie with Sheboygan so surprising. You know, Saturday, February first, four to one over Verona. Tuesday, February fourth, three to one over University School. Thursday, February sixth, one to one with Sheboygan. That was just I think that that surprised a lot of people. Obviously they outshot them forty one to eighteen. So, I mean, sometimes the goalie stands on his head. Um, and Trasher is absolutely right. You can say that Arrowhead did not play all of the top-ranked teams like some of the other top-ranked teams did, um, but you can still say they're 22-0-2. I mean, you don't get to be undefeated uh, by not being great. Um, I don't care if you're if you're playing... You know, all season long against four versus seven seeds, you're going to lose a game in there at some point. It's just going to happen unless you're great. Well, I'll tell you that uh, still Arrowhead is still going to be very tough to beat. I just uh, just what I've seen, had a chance to see them earlier in the year. I was just they reminded me a lot of the Arrowhead of uh, 2005 when I had the chance to see them against Janesville a couple of times, they just, the lines they rolled, they were all just solid across the board. I mean, they just rolled them out. And well, what's, what surprises me is that you started that sentence as if somebody disagrees with you. Well, somebody might, you never know. Wouldn't be the I first think, time. I think, no, I think Arrowhead is <clears throat> pretty well respected across the state at this point. Everybody knows that they're, they're great. They deserve their number one seed. Um, and you know they're the they're the front runner to come out of this bracket for good reason. They've already beaten everybody who's still here, so I mean, just mm-hmm. do it again. Okay, guys, we went through yeah. all, all that easy. You've already done. Just do it again. Just do it again. Sure, just that easy. All right, guys. Well, we've went through everything here, and. uh Guys, got anything else you really need to get off your chest, or are you ready to go Betty Bye for the night? Yeah, that? Okay. You know, you can subscribe to This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are found. You can also watch us record the show live on YouTube like you had the chance to do tonight. And I don't know why you would want to do that. Yeah, I don't know, but, you know, just for kicks and giggles, go for it. I, I unless, have a question, guys. unless you were to make a drinking game out of it. Oh, no. Anytime Trasher said, I hate X team drink. Right? Anytime that I have to rearrange what the video stream looks like because MJ is sharing his desktop drink. <laughs> I'm sure, was, I was sharing my desktop. <laughs> don't don't turn it off now. I'll probably have to rearrange again. Oh, is that where that was coming right. from? Those MJ's. So MJ, where are we staying next week? Where's the home of Wisconsin prep hockey next week? Wyndham Garden, right? Yes. Yes. They are. They are the sponsor of of our players of the week. They are also the official state tournament home for Wisconsin prep hockey. And probably where we're going to be passing out our awards, um, since we don't get to do the Saturday morning thing at the Coliseum bar anymore, because like Saturday morning is suddenly booked with a game. Yeah. Thanks, WIA. Three three state championship games starting 9 a.m. in the morning. 
Apparently, they don't, they don't the care morning. about us. They don't care that we have to sit up at 11 o'clock at night and cut a podcast. They don't care. Well, we, no, won't, be doing, we won't be doing that well, Friday we do this the, year anyway. Oh, nope, we're trying to do our best to get a an awards banquet in there, but they're not going to allow it because they got this stupid 9.30 title game. So, yeah, ship, I mean, ship happens. Who's, whose idea was it to put a state championship game at the... You know the when you have like a youth tournament and you know number seven in your tournament plays number eight and they start at nine thirty in the morning or eight thirty in the morning. Like who? That's you know, that's not championship game time. Last, those last are, place those game. Are, those are yes. last place games. You know seventh or eighth place. You know yes, that's not championship game time or something. And that's you can't what play you hockey get for Sunday morning. You can't play real hockey before like ten thirty, at the very earliest. Hey guys, your reward is you're gonna play at nine thirty. Yay! You know what? To the to the two teams that end up in playing in that championship game, it ain't gonna matter. They're just gonna want to play, and they're gonna want to settle it once and for all, and have a chance at a state championship. So, yes, we'll Northland Pines and Fond du Lac Springs will be very eager to play <laughs> that game. <laughs> I mean, it could be someone else. <laughs> You know what, though, Junior? You you may be right on the head, though. Those two, looking at this point, probably looking like the favorites to get there. But, uh, you know, we still got a little ways to go yet. There's a bunch of people in Amory. Well, there's not a bunch of people in Amory to begin with, but there's a bunch of people in Amory who are going to be super mad at me now. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there, there's still that dark horse team from way up in the northwest corner of the state that seems to somehow figure things out at this time of year. That is hey, true. Whistle yeah, whistle, yeah, whistle flag. I think he's talking about Superior. Yeah, what? They're they're in Minnesota. They're not in Wisconsin. What are you talking about? We'll see how they get through their brackets, guys. We'll uh, check everything out tomorrow night, and we'll get get an idea of what we're looking at for this weekend. So, um, anything else to add, or are we done here? I think that's it. All right. So for the fellas, the other four knuckleheads, the big knucklehead right here. Thanks for watching or listening. Been following this week in Wisconsin prep hockey.